0: Today's episode of Vice Versa, we're talking about GM's Hummer SUV EV and its range, Tim Cook commenting on Elon, Tesla, and the Apple car, the US EV tax credit coming back, and a whole bunch of GM news. And as usual, for the second time, our first time didn't quite work, but as usual, I'm joined by Ricky Roy. How you doing, Ricky? Good, Matt. Good. Uh, Honestly, 21 live streams. I think
1: this is the first time we've ever had any issues. But yeah, so anybody who uh, was on the part of the last stream, hopefully you've moved over and... uh, Let's do this thing. How was <laughs> how was your week? What
0: what did you talk about this week on your channel? Uh, this week I talked about is the renewable, you know, energy transition just kind of like a big lie. Is, is it is it actually going to happen? Is it a sure thing? Kind of explored looking at history, going back in time, and looking at past industrial revolutions and how it applies to today to kind of figure out where things are going.
1: Gotcha. So I was not able to finish my video this week, so we're going to take a week off, and hopefully reach that elusive dream of having a backlog of videos. And, and uh, so nothing this week, our Starship video, to our last video and uh, we'll get back to it next week.
0: Yeah, if anybody hasn't watched the Starship video, go watch it. It's fantastic.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun one. Um, so let's jump right into it and get started and talk about, you know, the title and the thumbnail of this live stream was the EV pickup wars are heating up. This is a 2024 GMC Hummer EV. This is the SUV form and it's uh, slated to have a 300 mile range and in the first edition trim level, it's going to be around $110,000. So first thing I'll say, looking at the truck, it looks a lot like the Hummer H3, which wasn't my favorite design. It has a really high belt line. Um, so, you know, I think that's going to kind of be a personal preference thing. But yeah, the the interesting thing here is they, you know, typically most EV companies go with a really aerodynamic car in the interest of getting as much range as possible without having to have as many batteries. They're not too worried about that because these cars are going to have a 170 kil. The, the article says kilowatt, but I think they have a kilowatt hour. Yeah. But either a 170 or a 200 kilowatt hour battery pack. That's so massive. that means, yeah, we're talking like three times the size of the battery pack in our Model 3s. And it will take three times as much energy, apparently, because it'll get a similar 300 miles of range. So interesting move, but, you know, they're not, planning to sell a lot of these probably and they're very expensive so they're still going for that kind of flagship segment and i think it could be a pretty bold move this is their their platform and the old, the ultium battery will be at the heart of this we mentioned in a previous episode that the chevy bolt will be the last of the old way of doing things and going forward this is going to be their in-house ultium pack and we'll talk more about that in another story as well this i think is the double stack configuration yeah it's too tall so this is like full, <laughs> this is the full enchilada. This is everything. This is as much batteries as they can possibly stack.
0: And, it's two uh, battery
1: packs stacked on
0: top of each other, which is insane. Yeah,
1: you can, can kind of see it in this picture a little bit, actually. but. <clears throat> and to remind everybody that it has that crab walk mode, which is four-wheel steering, and they can all wheels can turn in one direction. The car can kind of do that crab walking uh, move, which is cool. Here is the inside of the truck. Um Notice here there's a big old Honkin gear shifter, which we will talk about with Tesla's decision to go very much the other way on this decision. But cool truck, I think it's gonna to appeal to people who like that kind of military industrial, big Honkin kind of kind of look. Uh, let's say the not minimalist. <laughs> and um, I think it's gonna be a pretty successful truck. Uh, the The sister story to this is that they've also uh, announced that they're building an electric Chevy Silverado that has 400 miles of range. So, you know, if they're going to have a similar 200-kilometer battery pack, they might have been able to get the drag down a little bit. But this is not actually what it'll look like. This is the gas Silverado. And, you know, I don't think it'll look like this because if you're doing a, you know, clean sheet design, there's no reason why you have to have some of these kind of considerations. This is very much a body-on-frame truck. It has a big gas engine in the front. It has huge grills, which are horrible for aerodynamics. But I think truck driver, truck lovers do love. But a lot of this kind of goes away when you have an EV. So I'll be very curious to see how it actually ends up looking. And details are a little bit scarce on that front. And it's very similar, actually, to my mind as the Ford F-150 EV that we keep hearing about, because the pictures of it all seem to make it look like very much a traditional Ford F-150. But if it's going to be an EV and it's all new and it's a you know, clean sheet design, does it have to look like that? Might they change it? Which gets into a funny conundrum that these companies are going to find themselves in, which is, do you build a very traditional truck for people who like trucks? Or do you build an EV for the cool, you know, early
0: adopters? I don't know. I'm actually really torn on that. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? One of the things I want to call out on the Silverado is they are designing this from the ground up. It's not going to be a retrofit of a Silverado. So it's not like they're doing some kind of weird hybrid where they're taking a gas car and shoving a battery in it. It's going to be from the ground up as an EV, which I think is very important and also shows that GM is looking to the future in the right way and they're handling this the right way. I am insanely curious to see where they're going to land. I personally think that they're going to end up with something that's kind of like a fake grill or something kind of look because i think they're going to go after the traditional truck owner that wants something that looks and feels like a truck and for me the big clue is just look at the hummer i mean that's the hummer ev it also looks like a big gas guzzler of a <laughs> of a truck so it's 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 interesting to me especially for this one for the the hummer is that when when those were big 20 years ago like very popular. It was just, you know, b- these big gas guzzlers pumping out you know, like horrible miles per gallon, just absolutely abysmal. And just for that reason alone, I couldn't stand them. But for some reason, I'm kind of giving them a pass that they have this double stacked battery that's just, it's still an excessive car. It's like, it's it's ridiculous that they're doing it this way again. But they're, it's a little more forgivable to me because it is environmentally more sound, because it's not pumping out CO2. But it is taking up an absurd number of batteries just to make it go 300 miles, which is, I'm surprised that they they say it's going to be, what, a base price of, I think it's $80,000? Yeah, that'll be a couple of years down the road for the, yeah. <clears throat> you know, for the limited edition trimmer, you know, the smaller feature set. Yeah, but I think GM's going to be going after more of the traditional, I'm a truck guy look and feel for all their products.
1: I think so too. You know, if you if you think about what Tesla's done, they've gone after like nerds with ludicrous mode yes. and, and plaid, right? These are yeah. you know the spaceball references and stuff. Um, I'm not sure how many like Hummer drivers were fans of spaceballs, <laughs> so you know they their launch mode or you know their ludicrous mode, if you will, is called Watts to Freedom (WTF), which is yes. fun, right? First of all, like kudos for being fun and having some fun with it, and Watts to Freedom sounds like. very much a truck buyer, like somebody who's not watching Star Wars and Star Trek. Sounds like, go America. (laughs) Go America. Exactly. And that's fine. That's cool. One thing that they're doing is they're poisoning themselves to be different. They're not really overlapping with Tesla, which companies that have done that have gotten a lot of hate. We were talking about this before the show. Lucid gets a lot of hate because they're directly in alignment with what Tesla's doing, whereas like Rivian doesn't get that level of hate. And this is also kind of going after a completely different clientele, let's just say. Yes. The, my, my concern, though, is to your point about eco-friendly. Sure, it's electric, so it's eco-friendly. But like you said, you need three times as much electricity to go as far as you do on a Model Y, for example. So yep. still, you know, a little bit worrisome there. And also, if you're going to make an $80,000 truck, well, it has to go at least, what, 200 miles? 250? Like, what's 250, a minimum floor? 250. 250? Yeah. I would say 250 So that means you need 170 kilowatt hours of battery pack in it, which is not going to be cheap. And so, I mean, I, I wonder about the economics of how profitable it'll be at that point. Anyway, there's some things I think that they got to work out, but at least they're making it. And I, I'm excited that the EV
0: pickup wars are heating up. They're definitely heating up. It's like we're going to see a lot of really cool pickups showing up over the next year or two, which is something I'm very excited about.
1: All right, I can't take credit for this one, but I agree with James Paul. He says the Hummer launch mode should be get on the chopper." I can't do a Donald <laughs> Schwarzenegger impersonation, but I agree. That would be fantastic.
0: Yes, I love that. So next up is Tim Cook did an interview with Kara Swisher this past week where she asked him point blank about how Elon said he had reached out to Apple and Tim Cook for a meeting to potentially sell Tesla to Apple back when they were struggling. And he never took the call or never agreed to the meeting. She asked him point blank about that. And what I found very funny is Tim Cook is a very, how should I put this? A very diplomatic man, the way he answers things. And he was very dodgy about it. But what he did say was, uh, you know, I've never spoken to Elon, although I have a great admiration and respect for the company he's built. I think Tesla has done an unbelievable job of not only establishing the lead and keeping the lead for such a long time, a period of time in the EV space, so I have a great appreciation for them. It's a wonderful accolade he's giving Tesla, but he never answered the question. He didn't say, yeah, no, I didn't take that call. So I thought it was a very diplomatic way of putting it, of like, I admire him, I admire what they're doing, congrats, but yeah, I'm not gonna answer that question. It was a nice deflection. But the thing in that interview that really jumped out at me as the most important part was when she was asking him about the Apple car, which of course he did not answer, he did talk about autonomy and he made a quote There was a quote from uh, what he said about that which is the autonomy itself is a core technology in my view if you sort of step back the car in a lot of ways is a robot an autonomous car is just a robot and so there are lots of things you can do with autonomy and we'll see what apple does we investigate so many things internally many of them never see the light of day i'm not saying that that one will not there's so much smoke and you know, around this, there's got to be a fire. We all know that Test. I mean, Apple's working on either a car or autonomy or both or something. And that one quote from him makes it pretty clear that Apple is probably doing a lot of autonomous exploration right now. And they've been doing it probably for years because, you know, how they were supposedly building a car then suddenly the car was put on hold and now the car might be coming back. That entire time, I don't think they've ever stopped working on autonomy. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they end up, like what kind of product are they gonna put out? Are they gonna actually come out with a car or are they gonna put out a system that can be part of somebody else's car? And it's like, I'm really curious to see which path they go down and if they actually do execute on this. Cause if there's one company I think could kinda go from zero to 60 in no time flat, it's Apple because they just have such deep pockets. They can they could just pour gobs of money into this if they really believe it's a good a good product and a good direction for them to go in. What's, what's your take on this? Yeah, <laughs> the, the the question, like the deflection, I don't buy it for a second. His his answer
1: for the for the Tesla, oh, they you know I respect what they're doing. Uh, it's it's just to me, it just seems like total BS. I, I I do think that's exactly how it happened. I think, you know, it's one of those things when you're not looking for something, you wouldn't see opportunity if it was standing in front of you. That's probably what it was kind of like a couple of years ago. Apple was still thinking, oh, we're gonna sell iPhones or we're gonna sell iPads and we're gonna do all this stuff, but. I think now it's a very different situation. They're starting to feel that, you know, the sales are declining now because there's only so many human beings in the world who are going to buy an iPhone and most of them already haven't at this point. So if Tesla or sorry, if Apple is going to go from, you know, one point, whatever trillion where they are now, if they're going to move into the next 10 years, what are they going to make or what are they going to do? Uh, Services are good. They have a lot of good inroads on services. Uh, a self-driving car sounds pretty lucrative. That Talk about like doubling your valuation if you, could, if you could figure that out. My challenges there though are they're very much a hardware and software company. Like you said, are they going to really sell this as something to other companies, which is more the Google move? I'm not sure they are. But okay. at the same time, you mentioned if anyone can figure this out, it's Apple. But I mean, like real hardcore engineering is not really an Apple strength. Like, you know, finding ways to like build a block of aluminum into a beautiful MacBook is engineering for sure. But it's, Far from, like suspension and you know, damper design or like chassis design and stuff. So and also they don't have their own factories. You know they they outsource that sort of stuff. So I'm not sure that they're that well poised for this, and that might be why they're continuously going back and forth on this. We have a you know project Titan. Now we don't. We're firing everybody. We do. We don't. They're lolly. They're they're struggling with this in a way that they didn't struggle with like iPad or iPhone or Apple Watch. I think it's because they. I hate to admit it, or they might hate to admit it, but I think they're lacking the core competency to do this properly, which means if they're going to become a licensed play, that's kind of unlike what they do. Do they really want to do that? I, I, I'm torn. I really don't know how Apple's going to factor in. I almost think they should buy a company. I mentioned this before. Just buy Lucid. They should have bought Lucid. Like, absolutely. It's very Apple-looking. Buy a company like that and just get a jump on it and, and start to happen. integrate or do something.
0: That's, that's not Apple's way, though. It's like the fact that they didn't buy Tesla, I don't think is a reflection on them not being interested in the space. But they never do big, splashy acquisitions. They never have. Never. It's well, always bought been Siri, right? Small, tiny company. They buy lots yeah. of little companies to that are either acquires or bring little technology stacks in that then they can make their own. They never just buy a company wholesale. If they bought Tesla, they're buying a company wholesale that's not really their own. It's like it's very rare. Like when they did Beats, that was really unusual when they bought Beats. Yeah, well, it's like yeah. so. A good it's example. Like, I just don't think they'd go down the path of buying a Lucid or a Tesla, which is probably why they didn't take the call. But I'm not convinced about the engineering side because they do have a lot of car people that are working for them, and that's the same thing that people said about Tesla when they were starting, of like, oh, Tesla's not doing it the way you know. Big Auto's done it for twenty years. They don't know what they're doing. But didn't
1: they have a lot of layoffs as well? Like they're they're waxing and waning. Like I don't know that they they know. That's what not
0: what like. I've read. It's 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 okay. more of the project from what I've heard never stopped. But what changed was the, they changed course because they were going down this path of building out their own car, and that's where they were kind of like, well, we don't know if we want to do that yet because we have to solve the autonomy first. And so they kind of went back to square one to reevaluate their autonomy to see if there's something there before they went back into the car itself again. I don't. I think the biggest question for them is if they're going to make a car, who's going to build it? And all the rumors about Hyundai and Kia and all that stuff. It's like, if they can't figure that out, I don't think this is ever going to happen. That, but I think the autonomy yeah. side, the software side, I think they can figure that out. Well, yeah, I agree with that.
1: Yeah, and they're Apple. They have a premium image to rep to maintain. Yeah, so you can't just put out some kind of kind of product. Yeah, uh, I was laughing because Dan says Apple Car would sell for two hundred thousand
0: um, dollars. Yeah. <laughs> well, no joke, what they were building before, what the rumors were, is that what? that's what exactly had happened. The car that they had designed with the battery and all the technology it was like going to be a two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars 250000 car and that's when basically Tim Cook came and said whoa, <laughs> slow down guys, this ain't going to fly. Right. And that's why they kind of did a reset. So it's not that they were waffling of do we want to do this or not, it was more of like how are we going to do this? And so it's, that's kind of why they went back to square one. So I don't think they've ever kind of necessarily lost their way, but I think from the outside because they're so secretive, it's like we're only getting glimpses and like, we don't know the full story. And so I'm just insanely interested to hear what the full story is if, and when they finally do release a product. It's like, I'm just curious. It's not necessarily that I'd be wanting to buy an Apple car, but like, I'm just curious. (laughs) What are they going to do? This,
1: this might be my favorite comment so far. It is my favorite comment of the day. Benjamin Barr says, Apple is used to redefining an industry, but Tesla already did, yeah, and I think that's exactly why they're 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 kind of lost in the sauce They're like, we're gonna go in, we're gonna make the iPhone. It's gonna be, oh, no Tesla's already done all that. Okay, well, we'll make it different in this way, and we'll hire these guys, and then we're, oh, okay, um, no, they're. So I think they're kind of they're they're struggling. They they were used to being the the sole innovators in in their industry, if you will. I mean that's not true, but they're. I think they're kind of waffling with the fact that. Tesla's got a pretty strong lead in in every regard including autonomy including UI of uh, you know all the stuff that you think Tesla Apple would do like Tesla's screen and UI is second to none. Yep. So there's they don't really have yeah this is a good story I, I think we got to touch on this more uh in the future but let's see what let's see what the future holds. Tesla Apple is such a secretive company that it's almost impossible
0: to know what yeah. they're going to do until they do it. Exactly. They like it that way. I don't I wish I knew what they were doing, but we'll just have to wait.
1: Yeah. So the next story is about Tesla. You might have heard of them. And (laughs) (laughs) speaking of secrecy and stuff, you know, I will say, because Apple doesn't manufacture anything themselves, they have, like, factories to do that. They have, their secrecy days are over. Everything leaks. Like, name one Apple product that wasn't completely known about, right? Yeah, I know. In contrast, you know a company that is massive, that never leaks, you'd never hear anything about Tesla. Think about that, right, Cybertruck and this Model uh, S refresh, we didn't know anything about this until it was gonna happen. So this story is about the refreshed Model S and how it's shifting from, (laughs) how it shifts from drive to reverse. So um, I pointed out the Hummer had a very traditional shifter in the center uh, where your hand kind of rests on the armrest. This car not only doesn't have that here, it has nothing here. Our Model 3s have a little shifting stock, which I really like right there. This car foregoes even that. And instead, it has... This is the only way you can change gears is on the screen, okay? I can't wait to get your take on this as a UX designer. <laughs> so you shift on the screen, okay? Or if, you know, you tr- if the car figures everything out, it figures out your context of what you're trying to do. For example, you're in your garage and there's a washing machine in front of you it knows you're gonna back out because the garage door is open and there's more space you know the radars say there's more room behind you than in front of you you're in a parking spot for example or something or you're pulling out of a um, out of a parking spot face forward and you can just go into drive and go forward it'll figure that out so based on the context of what you're doing it'll just do the right thing which sounds kind of crazy to me yes. <laughs> am i
0: am i wrong what, what do you think what do you make of this um I think this is just bananas is the best word I can think of. It's completely insane to me that they're doing this. Uh, I appreciate that they're looking ahead to the full self-driving future, but as we've talked about before, that's still years away. It's like, I don't understand why they're pushing it so hard. It's like, just put a stock on the steering wheel. It's like you can, and then when you have full self-driving and it's proven itself, then just take the stock off. It's like, I don't understand why they're trying to be so out in advance. However... What they came up with for the solution of the screen, I think is actually pretty, for what they're doing, very smart. Because it looks like you don't have to be super precise, you just swipe your finger down the side. So it's like, I think when you probably get used to it and you're driving, you can probably just reach out without even really paying attention to where you're touching, because you just touch the side of the screen and swipe up or down, depending on whether you're going forward or back. So I think it should become second nature, but there's that period of just kind of like weirdness in the beginning. So for me, from a from a UI point of view, I wish they hadn't done this. I think they're they're pushing the envelope too far. This is actually making things worse in the short term for the idea that they'll get there in the long term. But you're kind of, it's like they're placing a bet that they're gonna do this really quick. They're gonna get this full self-driving thing licked where this auto forward and reverse thing <laughs> is gonna work reliably 100% of the time. I don't think that's gonna work 100% of the time right out of the gate. So it's like, how long is that going to be? Is it going to be six months, a year, two years, three years before that really feels good? The problem with that is think about any voice assistant, you know, Siri, Alexa, pick your pick your voice assistant. How many people say a command and it doesn't work? And the next day they try it again, and it doesn't work. And they're like, forget this. I'm not going to use this. This thing is garbage. And then you just right. stop trying to use it. That's like Siri all over. And the problem I have with this is, if it's a bad user experience for six months a year, it's going to get a bad reputation, and it's going to turn people off. It's I'm, I just wish they weren't pushing the envelope so hard. On this specific thing. <laughs> yeah. So Tim Leake says, I agree. Sounds like
1: someone will end up through their garage wall at some point. <laughs> I can I can picture the uh, the CNN article now. Um, <laughs> they'll be sure to cover that, I'm sure. Yeah. So. My my problem with this is the what their previous solution, what we have in our cars, is fantastic. It doesn't get in the way of anything, right? I was looking at, like, if you look at cars like that Hummer picture that we had, a lot of cars still put this huge, massive, you know, space-consuming shifting mechanism, which is moronic. You spend about eight seconds shifting a day, ever. Like, yep. nobody thinks about it after that. Once you've done that part and you're done with it, you don't even need it anymore. So why take up your entire center console? What Tesla has done far better. They have drink holders and they have a huge center console. They have an arm tray, like storage up and down that area. And there's nothing in the way. So I would say like, if you were giving up that to go for this, I'd, I'd get it. But this, the, the stock that they have now on the wheel is tiny and it doesn't get in the way of anything. If they had just left that alone, um, I don't think you lose anything. The, the reason why I mentioned this is because I'm not a fan of the screen control, uh, and the reason why is, and tell me if I if tell me if it's just me in my car. If it is, I'll take it to Tesla. If you're like watching Netflix, for example, right? I'm at a supercharger and my son's got to watch his shows on Netflix. If, if we're supercharging, so if Netflix is running and then I finish charging, I take the you know take it out. I'm ready to go, and I can just put it into reverse or drive, and then the screen will it turns black for like 15 seconds, and then eventually the reverse camera turns on. Are you telling me now I have to sit there and Exit, because Netflix is full screen. You can't yeah. take any other input. You can't shift gears in Netflix. So You hit the X. Um, their MCU computer is still a little underpowered. I think their next MCU computer upgrade will be really good, like Apple, like iPad feeling. But like it's a little bit clunky. Like you hit the X, it takes some time to shut down. Sometimes the backup camera takes five, seven seconds, right? Are You, you want to sit there for five or seven seconds to... But of course, that does assume that the self-shifting doesn't just work brilliantly and it knows yeah. exactly what to do, which... It very well might, right? I mean, maybe we're thinking about this too much. I will say I have some reservations, but, um, and the cars have been delayed, and who knows why. They're not using the new batteries or anything. So there are some delays. There could be stuff like this they are working out, but when we get our hands on it, I guess we'll know better. But weird,
0: weird yeah. choices, I think. Um, and cool, though. I mean, they're, they're always pushing the envelope. I, I can appreciate that. You know, I, I struggle with the UI sometimes. I don't know if you have this problem trying to bring out the trip meter. Like, to see, like, you know, I've driven 80 miles over the past hour and a half or whatever it is. Yeah, I sometimes will go the down there swipe. and try to swipe it, and then it spins the 3D view of the, the road. Yeah. Yep. Constantly. And it's like, where am I supposed to touch? How am I supposed to... Where am I... Is it, the magic spot right there? No, it's not right there. I just spun the thing again. That's what I was talking about with the the Siri analogy. It's, like, it's gotten to the point where it's, like, I just don't even try to get to the trip meter anymore because it's, like, I when you're driving and the delicacy of that... That touch is very frustrating, and so hopefully yeah, to be this this swiping is like, like you were saying, if you're watching Netflix, whatever's going on on the screen, that area should always be, you know, do what it's supposed to do. So if you're sitting there watching Netflix, you should be able to swipe on top of the movie and still have it do its thing.
1: So I was a viewer of one of my videos mentioned. I think the MCU computer is still running an x86 architecture, like like an Intel Atom or something. And mm-hmm. I think they're moving to an AMD product. Um, so. The next iteration, the next time they upgrade this thing, they got to go like ARM and they have to like really optimize it. Because I think the MCU controls are better than any car. Like let's not, you know, put ourselves. But it's not iPad good yet. It's not like the touch response and the touch reactivity isn't iPad level. So um, there's still some room to improve. And at the same time, though, like let's give them credit. Like all the volume controls you just click and drag. It's so obvious. It's just such a nice, pleasant experience but what they need to have is multitasking because the minute you go to netflix it's like whatever activity or whatever was running before is all like terminated and now you're in this new instance of this big full screen app and when you hit x it takes time to get back whereas like on ipad every app is just in a container and you can open them and close them and there's enough ram for all of it and enough compute power to run it all so i think that's kind of the fundamental issue also you know if you run sentry mode it drains the battery ridiculously a lot and part of it is I think it has, I think that chipset, whatever it's running with all the ancillary systems and hard drives, it uses like a couple hundred watts, it must, because you lose a couple of miles of range in, in a per, couple of hours. So yep. it's a decent amount of draw. And if you went to an ARM system that was far more optimized and far lower power consumption, I think there's some improvement. So my prediction is the next MCU upgrade, they might look into that and rewrite their code and re, uh, recompile it for an ARM architecture. Yeah, but you're all right. That was a long one. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but so I'll going stop. To, yeah. Going, going to the next story, which is the um, electric car incentive might be coming back from the Biden plan that they're rolling out right now. Um, so this is part of the planned $174 billion investment into electrification. And it's going to replace the current $7,500 tax credit for the first 200,000 cars per manufacturer, which we all know Tesla no longer has. It's going to be rolled out, supposedly, for all American-made EVs, and it will be up to $10,000, and it will be some kind of combination of tax credit and local rebates, is what I was reading about. Um, And there'll be a new phase-out where it will be um, an additional 400,000 cars per manufacturer, which means if this goes into effect, Tesla could theoretically have 400,000 more cars that could have a $10,000 rebate on it, which suddenly takes their Model 3 and puts it squarely into like the like low thirties, maybe even upper twenties for cost, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, but there's also a separate uh, bill that's in the Senate, which is for a different style of credit, which is a ten-year period for the incentive. Which I'm curious to get your take on this because there's different there's different ways to look at this. It's like, what are you trying to incentivize? There's the adding 400,000 cars per manufacturer for US-made cars, $10,000 off. And then this other bill is like, oh, it could be up to 10 years and there might be like a slow phase-out period over that 10 years. What are you trying to incentivize? It feels like these need some kind of caps on it. Because it's like, no offense to people who wanna buy a $100,000 car, but you you don't need a $10,000 rebate. It doesn't incentivize car companies to make the most affordable cars they can make at that rate. Where if you say the cars have to be under $40,000 or $50,000 to qualify for the rebate, it's going to incentivize these companies to try to make the, the most affordable cars they can make. Make the Toyota Camrys of the EV world, and those will be the ones that get the rebates to get it into the hands of the, the mass market. So I'm curious, what do, you, what do you think about these incentive programs?
1: You make a good point. I thought about this while we were while we put it on the board. So, first of all, what's really scary is, so Tesla's never had like a record Q1 before, and they just did. We didn't yes. even talk about this because there's a lot of coverage. There's probably 10 million videos on YouTube, and I'm sure everybody's already seen that. But Tesla's killing it. Like, they are selling cars in Q1, which is notoriously a horrible quarter for buying cars. You, you're broke from Christmas and <laughs> without are from Thanksgiving. They don't even without, have a rebate. Right. And like, they don't even have rebates, right. Yeah. So, they're, they're right. 186 whatever it was 1000 cars in Q1 without rebates. So what happens now when a standard range plus model 3 is what is it $30,000 after rebate? Yeah. The scary thing with doing this and the crazy thing is now who's buying the bolt? The really the reason for the bolt was for like 31,000 you got this really cool scrappy little EV. It wasn't the best looking didn't have that cool ui or all that kind of stuff but it was a solid choice um so in a way i think it'll hurt some of the some of the other people short term because tesla's like take seven thousand dollars off every tesla that's going to be um that's going to be kind of brutal like if you were trying to compete with the model y before and you're the mach e what just happened to you i kind of like it at the same time because i want my cybertruck (laughs) i know <laughs> and why not save seven thousand dollars to your point though like if you're buying these really expensive cars do you really need it um, i will say this though uh maddie you mentioned about they should all phase out like they shouldn't just you know be around in per- perpetuity there mm-hmm. should be some sort of a cap i actually think minus tesla i think tesla really probably should just do without the incentives just prove to be independent like you know elon's yeah. libertarian he doesn't you know do, go the Libertarian route and just sell cars properly. Um, but if you're General Motors or Ford, here's my concern with the 200000 or $400,000. Uh, real quickly, Mark Lawrence, thank you so much for the Super Chat. We will get to your uh, comment as soon as I finish this ramble. <laughs> um, if you're Ford or GM and you're selling gas cars and electric cars and you have a $200,000 cap, like Q1, the, the Bolt EUV comes out, oh, we had a great quarter. We sold a bunch of Bolt EUVs. Oh, and then we hit the cap and the prices went up. No one's buying them. And screw that. We're going back to buying gas cars. If you could leave that in place for some time. And like right now, by having a cap, you're disincentivizing being good. Yeah. If you're crummy at this, like, uh, you know, I think uh, Honda has this electric clarity no one cares about because it's 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 not a good car. If you're bad at this, you never hit the cap and you benefit from it. But if you're good at this, like GM is also past the, past the point of uh, rebate. Then you're gonna you're kind of disincentivizing it. What if you made it like flat for a number of years? That way, if you're really good at this and you sell a hundred thousand or two five hundred thousand cars, or you're bad at it, it doesn't hurt you in that way. Because otherwise, my fear is all these cars go right back to making gas cars if their EV prices come back up after a year of success and and all of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Before we get to to Mark, the uh, gotta remember Tesla's mission statement, which is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable technology. Um, sustainable energy, I mean, uh, if this is, if a certain style of this incentive goes in, here's a company that's already killing it without an incentive, it's going to launch Tesla even further ahead of everybody else, Yeah, which is kind of going against their mission statement. The whole idea is to get more companies to come along. It's not meant to be Tesla makes every car. It's, there's diversity that's needed. Um, so this has to be carefully crafted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So
1: next up, we are talking about how Mary Barra, who is the CEO of General Motors, is trying to build, you know, you probably heard Tesla is not a car company, like people have this idea that Tesla is just so much more than that. And I think their investors, their board of directors is putting pressure on them to start thinking in the same terms. So they have this kind of cool incubator that they run where they, you know, they open up ideas, one such Concrete example of of a success from that incubator is Bright Drop, which we talked about maybe five or six weeks ago, which is this really cool electric vehicle van company that'll use the Ultium battery stack. It'll use the platforms that they've already established to build like parcel trucks like for FedEx, right? And this is going to be one of those cool things that helps General Motors to branch out and be more than a car company, because I think that's a deep desire that they have. Thank you, Eric Kessler, for the super chat. As always, you're you're, you're a huge fan. We appreciate you uh, very much. So the, the thing, though, is to me, this seemed a little bit kind of pie in the sky or kind of abstract because it seems like the right buzzwords, like if you're a Silicon Valley, anybody from Silicon Valley probably uh, can can relate to this, but it has <laughs> yeah. all the right corporate buzzwords to make it sound like you're doing some cool stuff and there's a bunch of dudes with like cafe lattes and, you know, talking, talking about philosophy and stuff. But... At the end of the day, is there really concrete stuff happening? That's what I'm hoping to hear more about. BroadDrop was one example. Um, they they mentioned in particular some of the self-driving tech, which I think they're investing in, as we know. And also like insurance, which again, sounds like yeah. Tesla. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's like you're going to get into insurance. You know, you know you've know, you been building cars for 100 years. Why now suddenly? And I, it's probably related to Super Cruise and the, the interest of, um, you know, uh, of crews eventually becoming a service like Waymo. But yep. there's there's generally a a sense that companies want to be more than a car company. Because the reality is, a car company is kind of a terrible business model. It really is. Yes. You trade at a really low price to earnings multiple. The reason is, it's very capital intensive. If you make 100,000 cars this year, and it costs you a billion dollars to build a plant, if you want to go and double your product, you got to go and build another billion dollar factory. Compare that to like Facebook which has like, I'm making this number up here, like 20,000 employees and makes billions of dollars a year. Like the number of dollars per employee of software companies is just absurd. And that's why software people get paid a lot of money is because their end product that they build can just scale to, you know, if you have 10 downloads or 100 downloads, it doesn't change all that much. There is some cost at scale. So General Motors, I think, is on on a hunt to get that stock price up. They're like, look, if Tesla's doing this and they're trading at $700 a share... Why shouldn't we? We're doing some cool stuff too. But I want to see more. Bright Drop was a great first example. I kind of want to see more concrete examples of what are you doing? Give me an example of an incubator company that you brought in and has has shown some, some positivity.
0: Yeah, it's this. I keep saying to you every week when we talk about GM is they're one of the companies that's getting me the most excited for EVs right now. And part of the reason is like you got Tesla, which was doing something nobody had ever done before. So they came up from nothing and built up what they wanted to be. Tip of the spear for electrification, doing it from the ground up brand new. So they're writing their own playbook. And then everybody else is an established player. And so the question is, who's going to write the playbook for how you transition from the old school way of doing things to the new way? What I love about everything that's coming about GM, it looks like they're really just aping everything that Tesla is doing. And every time they do that, I'm like, go, keep going. Just keep doing that. It's like, I'm glad they're going into insurance. And I think part of it was OnStar because they have the OnStar service and they have, um, what was the other one that you just brought up? It was the Super Cruise. So between Super Cruise and OnStar, they have data for how people are driving to be able to give insurance rates, which is exactly what Tesla's going to be doing with their insurance product. And so it's like, they also have Super Cruise, which they're actually going to be licensing out to other companies. So they're going to have autonomy, just like, Tesla has full self-driving. They're basically just kind of replicating all these software as a service packages, but they're even going beyond what Tesla's doing because they're going into deliveries. Like the Bright drop stuff is not to be shrugged off. I mean, they're building not just the hardware infrastructure for FedEx, they're building the software infrastructure and the fleet management systems, the software to manage all of that, which is really, that could turn into a very lucrative business on its own. So it's they're definitely trying to find ways to make their company more valuable than just manufacturing the hardware, and it's so, so smart. Um, and if you look at what they're doing, I think they are showing, showing that they are delivering on some of these things. Because I mean, Super Cruise is a real thing. It's, it's, it's out there and they're improving upon it. Breakdrop still has to be kind of proven because it's just starting to roll out. Um, but they're making, the story that we're gonna be talking about next is kind of, kind of leads into that, if you want to go to that story, but it's like they're doing things right now that are showing me signs of life that they're not just giving us platitudes and not following up on it. There are actual actions that they're doing that are showing that they're following up and some of what they're promising.
1: That's fair. I think that's yeah. I'd agree with that. Here's you know here's a secret that I want to tell GM that you know I'm, I would rather have them like pay us as consulting fees or something for this. But you know one thing, Lucid did that no one talked about, and I don't even think lizards really thought I don't know what they've done in, since the uh, appointment, uh, the presentation, is the ESS, the energy storage system, a home battery. Tesla currently is one of the big players that are doing this. But if you have mastery in that space, like the Ultium battery, uh, it's a pouch battery, it's a little bit, it's a longer cell, long and thin. Um, so I'm not sure if, I think they could probably make it work. It, they should probably use a different chemistry to make it cheaper, lithium iron phosphate. But GM, the first thing you should do before some of these cars, and I'm not sure why they're so far in the future, like that GM SUV is 2023 or 2024. Why is that? You have the plants, you have all of this stuff. Like, let's go get that car out here next year. Why isn't it like early 2022? That kind of bugs me a little bit. But before even that, get a home battery solution. And General Motors is not a good name to put on a battery pack. So I, I really think G- GM needs a general branding update because General Motors, is, it just sounds like such a 1950s company. Um, so whatever they come up with or whatever they do, build a home battery, make them like 8 to 15 or 20, like make maybe make them different size classes and get in the industry and just start pumping out home battery solutions. I think every EV maker should be doing that as a low cost way to start bringing in revenue before your car's are ready, like Lucid. Let's say it's going to be another year before they deliver on their car. Well, start building these and start bringing in revenue from this. I bet you they will sell as many as they make.
0: And that goes for anybody making home batteries. That's just my take. But it depends if they have the battery supply. Because we should probably move to the next story because I don't think they have the battery (laughs) supply to do that. (laughs) This next story, I think, is... So GM offers some clues as to how they're going to bring the
1: battery cost down. You know, to your point about copying Tesla, uh, Volkswagen had a battery power day where they kind of showed off the same sort of approach of how we're going to bring down prices. Clearly, this is going to be very important. Uh, One thing I highlighted is, again, a page out of Tesla's playbook. You build a factory, you allow a established player to come in and run the production line inside of your factory, and you can bring down some costs. And General Motors is going to be working with uh, Korean company LG Energy Solutions. I think they're kind of spitting it off from LG, uh, the, the larger conglomerate. And they're expecting to be producing Ultium battery cells in Lordstown, Ohio plant in 2022. So that's coming up next year. And unlike Tesla's doing, because they're using this Ultium battery pack, which is very proprietary for GM, I actually don't think, I think all the batteries will be used just for for GM. And what's weird is like LG Chem couldn't just take what they've learned and use it elsewhere. Because like Panasonic makes 2170s, not for Tesla, by the way. People don't realize that. I'm not sure if the, the same will be true here, but yeah, they're, they're laying out a plan how they're going to get to $100 per kilowatt hour by 2025. Again, that sounds like far too far in the future, but Matt, what's your take? What, what are some of the, the cues that you're going off of to give you optimism for their, for their plan?
0: Well, they've already been building their first gigafactory for battery production. And this story talks about how they're going to be building a second one in Tennessee so it's like they're now going to have two battery factories pumping out batteries and that they need this because their goal is by 2025, GM wants to be selling 1 million EVs a year. So I think part of the reason for the delay isn't necessarily because they can't build the car. I think their biggest limitation right now is the batteries. I think they're trying to get that scaled up right now so they can hit that million per year in 2025. So they're... Think about how long it took Tesla to get where they are, to be able to... They still haven't passed that milestone. They're about to. But look how long it took them to do that. And basically, GM's talking about doing that between now and four years from now. They're going to be at that. That's a pretty accelerated pace.
1: Yeah. I mean, Tesla didn't even have enough engineers or employees, didn't have any True. factory. I mean, they, they were starting... I mean, GM already True. has like 100 factories around the world. So hopefully they can do
0: it quickly. But not battery factories. It's a, yeah. there's gonna be the, like... There's going to be... like. Even Elon has talked about how there's gonna be a run on nickel. There's gonna be a run on these, just the parts to make the batteries. There's gonna be this mad crush of just demand for all of these materials over the next few years. So everybody is not just competing on building a car, they're competing on the raw materials needed to make the batteries to put in the cars. So I I think that's what I'm seeing signs of life in GM for is like they clearly are looking at what they have to do for batteries. Now, to lay the groundwork so that they have the supply they need,
1: you start to see the grave that Honda and Toyota are digging for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I know. Very quickly. It makes me so, so sad. I know. So, uh, Tesla uh, sold half a million last year with Giga Austin, Giga Berlin coming online, and really Model Y in Shanghai. I think a million this year is even doable. So, yes. as crazy as that sounds, yes. if not next year for sure. Yes. So, Tesla, little little Tesla is going to beat them to it, and one million cars a year by twenty twenty five, one million EVs. It almost doesn't sound ambitious enough for GM, but I guess from where they are now, I get, yeah, it's still a great, you know, uh, positive uptick. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see how other companies then match uh, match that rate. And to your point, everybody, at, the viewers, everybody out there should be realizing this is why companies aren't more into evs because you can't just build a factory to build your car like it used to be now you have to build two factories you got to build the factory for the car and you got to build a factory for the batteries and yeah um if you've been making money making one factory why would you want to make money making two factories That's kind of where honda and toyota and some of these companies are but batteries are going to be critical <laughs> in the next 10 years and i think you and i both are planning videos there's a lot of conversations about recycling batteries I had an interview today with a company with the CTO of Lifecycle, which is a really cool, new, promising upstart. Uh, we'll talk more about that in an episode uh, maybe two weeks from now. But recycling will be key because as these cars come to end of life, we can't just be thrown away like we do batteries of yore. We we got to be more full, closed loop with this. Otherwise, there's really no hope because, yeah, like you said, there's there's going to be a run on every one of these elements. And we're going to have to even get clever about how we do some of that stuff. You've had some videos talking about, you know, salt batteries and some other different technologies. We're going to have to get clever about all of it. Mm -hmm.
0: Battery recycling is key. Without it, it's a closed loop system where you can kind of just keep the same materials going through. It's going to drop costs. So it's going to be a benefit cost wise. And then it's less materials you have to pull out of the ground. So it's going to make things doable. So companies like LifeCycle and American Manganese, there's all these different companies, uh, Redwood Materials, it's like they're all this mad dash into battery recycling for a very good reason.
1: This one went by really quickly. I honestly did not think our story load would take up as much time as it did, but
0: yeah. And uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell so you don't miss an episode. We're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And you can always listen to the podcast version of the show at viceversa.show. And always, as always, thanks so much for watching. We'll see you in the next one.